I'm always struck by this reading from Nehemiah. So the people uh, have been in exile. They're brought back. So they're away from the holy, the promised land, the holy land, uh, and therefore away from the temple and the presence of God. They're brought back into the land and they're beginning to kind of rebuild things and uh, to, to build momentum back up into sort of uh, reclaiming their identity as God's people um, in, a, in a kind of way. And then, uh, right, what's happening here, Ezra the priest, he brings out the book of the law, right? And, and it's, it's, he's reading from it. Uh, it says, he read out of the book from daybreak until midday in the presence of the men, the women, and those children old enough to understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. And then what's more, it goes on to talk about how as he was reading, right, he read plainly from the book, interpreting it so that all could understand what was read. And then it talks about how the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. I just, I think about that and uh, a number of thoughts come to my mind. The first one is, what, what would happen if, if we said on Wednesday of this week in the evening, we're going to invite people to come and I'm just going to read from the Bible for three or four hours. How many people would come? Not very many, right? And not just the Bible, right? He's reading from the book of the law. So I'm going to read from the book of Leviticus for three or four hours. Come and join me. Right? Like, this, isn't, this, this is a, a really amazing thing that if we really like, allow ourselves to consider what's going on, it's, it's just so different. And then what's more, right, the, the sort of weeping as they heard the words of the law, the, the commentator that I was listening to this week, he, he spoke about how they were weeping because they knew that they hadn't been living according to the laws of God. And now they're hearing the laws of God and they're weeping out of sadness for their sin. And again, I, I think like, Today, we have, to, we have to convince people that there's sin in the world, that there's sin in their lives. Today, we, we, have to, we have to work to just try to convince people that there is a law written down for us to follow and that we, we need to follow it. Right? So I just, I just think about how, how different this is from what we live in our daily lives. And I'm, I'm included in this. I, I think regularly about, like, when I read the Bible every day, and there are many days when I read the Bible, and it's just like another task on my list, and I just want to get through it so that I can move on to get to the next task. And I, I just don't really pay attention. Right? And I think about, these people are weeping as they hear, and they're, they're approaching the word with a kind of reverence and awe, as though right, they're, they're taking seriously that, that God is speaking to us. And he's not just speaking to us, but he's, he's showing us and teaching us the way that we can live and the way that we can live to receive life from him. It's just, it's, it's really something that I, I, uh, I had mass last evening and uh, now today, of course, and it's just something that I think I'm going to sort of commit to.
to being more attentive and, and taking time even before I pick up the word to recognize and, and realize like this isn't just some other book, but that this is God speaking to me. God speaking to us. To try to be more attentive, right? To, to, to really trust our psalm response, right? Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. That when I pick up the Bible and when I come to pray, right? And we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, but that when I come to these things, like this is spirit and life. This is something that I can't encounter anywhere in the world. I can be entertained in the world. I can, I can find lots of fun things to do, things that might even be insightful, but none of that compares to this book. And so to approach this book with that sort of mentality, and really the same thing is happening in our gospel, right? So Jesus, uh, this is the beginning. It's, we kind of break up our, our reading a little bit. So it begins at the beginning of the gospel of Luke, uh, and then it jumps three chapters to Jesus sort of beginning his public ministry. So he begins his public ministry in the Gospel of Luke by going into the synagogue um, and uh, into Nazareth, and he, he reads this passage. And then, uh, we'll talk about the passage in a minute, but then, right, he rolls up the scroll and he sits down and it says, all eyes, the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. Another, maybe more literal, a little bit more literal translation, it means the same thing, but uh, the, it says that, their eyes were fixed on him. And I just, I love that idea or that, that uh, image because it's, it's like they're recognizing in Jesus, even though he hasn't said to them that the passage is fulfilled in your hearing, they're recognizing in Jesus that what he has to say is incredibly important. And so their eyes are fixed on him. And again, I think about in my own life, how many times uh, I go to pray, whether it's in my room or in the chapel in the house where I live or in the church before mass, whatever it is, when I go to pray, how many times the eyes of my mind are anywhere but fixed on Jesus? How easily I allow myself distraction. Sometimes I like encourage myself to be distracted when I'm praying thinking about other things or checking my phone to see if I have any text messages or emails that I've missed, right? My eyes are not always fixed on the Lord. And yet again, right, when, just like this isn't just some ordinary book, this isn't just some ordinary man, but this is, this is the one who has come to fulfill all of the prophecies of old, right? And, and this is how he's sort of revealing himself. Uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke, this comes at the beginning of his, his mission, and it comes at the beginning because it's as though Luke is revealing for us and Jesus is revealing for us something of a blueprint for what Jesus has come to do, right? He's, he's laying out for us, uh, this, is, this is like the, the game plan for what Jesus is going to do throughout the rest of the Gospel of Luke. I really encourage you uh, to, to read the Gospel of Luke. There's 38 days before Lent. Uh, and there are 24 chapters in the Gospel of Luke. So you got a little bit of wiggle room, right? So uh, there are some chapters that are a bit longer uh, and some that are a bit shorter. So if you need to break them up so that you can spread it out, but just a real encouragement. The Gospel of Luke, it's one of my favorites. It's, it's an easy one to read. Um, 
And uh, anyway, I just think it's really good. So this is the blueprint for what Jesus is, is laying out, right? He's saying, this is what I have come to do because I have come to fulfill the promises of old. So what is it that he's come to do, right? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord, right? So he's revealing who it is that he has come to be with the most. And it's, it's a shocking sort of group because especially at the time of Jesus, if you had wealth, if you had material possessions, if you had a lot of children, if you were a powerful person with authority, those were all signs of being blessed by God. And now Jesus is saying, he's coming and he's saying, the ones that I have come to bless are those who don't have any of those things, but instead are those who are poor, those who are captives, those who are blind, those who are oppressed. And we know this, that as he goes about his ministry, he goes about and he begins proclaiming the good news of the gospel to people who are known to be sinners. And he tells them, sin no more and you can enter the kingdom of God. He goes about healing people who are blind, who are lame, who, who have demons in them. He casts out demons. He does all these things to these people that, according to the, the physical senses, appear to be insignificant in the world. People who, it seems like, deserve to just be cast off and forgotten about. But Jesus is instead saying, no, these are the ones that I have come to save, those who are weakest and most vulnerable in the world. Jesus, who has the most power, ultimately, right, because he is God, Jesus, who has the most power and the most authority, has come to share his power and his authority so that he can lift up those who are bowed down. This is who he is and what he has come to do. Ultimately, it's a message that he's come to preach, which is this, that there are no insignificant people in the world, but that instead, every human person has value in the eyes of God. And this is the case, whether you're powerful and wealthy and attractive, or whether you're the opposite and unattractive and poor and weak and vulnerable. Every human person has value in the eyes of God. And St. Paul ultimately is talking about this in the second reading, right? About how among the, uh, within the human body, there are no insignificant parts. There are parts that might seem insignificant from time to time, but ultimately there are no insignificant parts. I have a friend who uh, is in the military, was in the military, and at one point he got his pinky toe blown off, right? So seemingly one of the most insignificant parts of the human body. And he was telling me, surprisingly, that when, his, when he lost his pinky toe, that he actually found it incredibly difficult to walk without falling over. Right? There are no insignificant parts to the human body. And so Jesus is now laying this out, that there are no insignificant members of the human race. And I think about this uh, in a number of ways, right? Because 
of course, we have people in our midst who seem to be insignificant in the world, people who are weak and vulnerable, people who are homeless, people who are jobless, people who are sick with various things, people who are elderly and, and seemingly maybe losing their minds or not able to remember things. We have people who, who have uh, developed severe diseases or people who have had diseases from their birth, people who have different kinds of diseases uh, of, of the mind, uh, of the flesh, of the spirit, various things, people who seem to be insignificant. And the message is that Jesus has come to reveal to those people that they have value, that they matter to him, that he wants to come and bless them. But I also think of another group of people, this other group of people that we could say is the most vulnerable, this group of people that is the weakest among us, and that is the unborn. I think of that group of people because yesterday was the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision that made abortion illegal in our country. That is to say, they made it legal for human beings to murder other human beings simply because they're unwanted. Or sometimes because they're, they're discovered or perceived to have some sort of a defect within them. And so, well, we can just terminate this pregnancy because this person's not going to provide much value for you. Right? Can you see the message that our world is proclaiming that, that if you're, if you're seeming to be seemingly insignificant and seemingly unwanted and seemingly in, in, unvaluable, then we can just get rid of you. Whereas the message of the gospel is that every person matters, and especially those that are weakest and most vulnerable are the ones that deserve our protection. Us who have voice, us who have power, us who have wealth, us who have the ability to do something to protect them. Sometimes in great ways and sometimes in little ways and anything in between. And so for us, there's this, this culture that we're meant to build up within us among the people of God, this culture of life, this culture that supports life at all of its stages, regardless of how insignificant or significant it might seem. It is an atrocity that we as the people of God allow the evil of abortion to continue in our country and praise God, we, we are hopeful that as the Supreme Court makes their decision uh, coming up, that they would actually bring an end to that. But this is the thing, you guys. This, this culture of life, it's not just about bringing an end to abortion. Because what happens if the Supreme Court makes abortion illegal? Or if the Supreme Court hands it back to the states to make their own decisions? What happens then if there are now a bunch of pregnant women who can no longer have the abortion, and now they're forced, we'd say, to have their children. What needs to happen then is that the culture of life needs to then continue to spread for, by us as a Christian community in the name of Jesus, supporting those mothers by providing for them, actually, and helping them in any ways that we possibly can. Right? Because the culture of life isn't something that just happens only in the womb. Yes, we be it begins in the womb, but it has to continue all the way to the tomb. That you and I, as members of the body of Christ, that you and I, as disciples of Jesus, striving to imitate him, we have to sometimes allow ourselves to be inconvenienced so that we can support life in all of its stages. 
Sometimes by making sacrifices of things that we might prefer to have, making sacrifices of things that we might prefer to do so that we can support those who are less fortunate than us, so that we can support those who seemingly are less significant, but in the eyes of God, we know them to be just as significant. Brothers and sisters, this is what it is to support the culture of life. It begins with our eyes fixed on Jesus and allowing him to breathe new life into us. And then from there, allowing that new life that we have received from him to flow out of our lives into the lives of other people so that they in turn can receive new life from Jesus Christ, whose words are spirit and life.